They brought me in the Thursday before my first day on the job, sat me down with somebody from HR and from sales strategy, and basically said in so many words, the department you're inheriting needs to be completely dissolved and you need to start from scratch. I said another way, you need to fire everybody and start all over again. I can tell this story now because it's 10 years plus later, and for the first time since that conversation, that job is no longer specifically my job. I'm still with the company. I'm still having another role within marketing. I'm still focusing on production and creative services, but uh, a huge part and everything that I built starting on that day is no longer mine. So in this podcast, we are going to talk about why you should have no ego when it comes to how many people are on your team or what your specific role is, trials and tribulations, and how you just never know where something is going to go. And the most difficult thing that can be put in front of you could be the greatest thing you've ever stumbled across, even if it makes you dry heave at first. This story in particular all starts with a Thursday before my first day back in 2013 when I was brought into the office and I was like, wow, this is super cool, right? I'm 35 years old. Imagine me without a beard and I'm an executive for the first time in my career. I sit down and they slide this presentation across the table. Love, we need to walk you through a few things. We told you there was going to be some change once you took over this department. What we didn't tell you is that basically the entire department needs to be dissolved and you need to start all over again. The why behind that was, so if you've ever seen a small business on TV, there's a distinct possibility that that came from my team, which is amazing. Like I've had the luckiest job for 10 years overseeing a team at least this has been part of my job and a majority of my job, overseeing a team that does small business commercials for TV. It's wild. It's like the funniest side of the creative industry. Yo, with all due respect, and I'll say this here because I don't have that many downloads yet, like, fuck all the industry stuff and, like, you know, can line would be amazing and all that kind of good stuff. But, like, go make 20,000 commercials a year for small businesses. <laughs> It's the dopest space, and it's why I loved my job, and it's why I get up at 4 o'clock every morning. I will continue to do so, but, like, the people that do that for a living, this is an ode to them. It's a story about everything I described at the beginning, but it is also an ode to them because that space is incredible, and those people are incredible, and they built such an amazing team with me over the past 10 years that this was all possible this past week. So they bring me out on the Thursday. They sit me down. They slide this across the table. They say, you got to have to fire everybody. The reason behind that was, now that you know what they were doing, is that when you're selling local cable commercials in Dallas, New York, El Paso, wherever, back in the day, back in the day being 10 years ago, Whoever got the production capabilities of the local office, it was kind of like just throw it around wherever you needed to spread it versus a more strategic deployment of resources to sound super corporate of like put the people against where you're generating the most revenue, right? So it's a difference of just like everybody gets everything versus no, 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 no. If you buy a first class ticket, you get first class service. If you buy an economy ticket, you still get service, but you get a different set of service variables. So starting the department from scratch was an unfortunate necessity in that getting people in the right roles consistently across the board was needed. So even just that alone, and we, we 
we rehired a ton of people, but just to be able to get everybody in the right role. So like in one market, it would be, oh, I'm a producer and I'm an editor and I'm a pr project manager. Another market, it was like, oh, all I do is edit. Another market, it was, so it was like different across the board, different titles, different responsibilities. And if you streamline it, then you can get everybody to do the same thing together. And then you can have people in El Paso working on things in New York and et cetera, once you build like a proper infrastructure and a proper system. So department needs to be dissolved because the people are not being set up the right way to help the business that's actually sustainable. So some of this was in just the need to make sure that this offering, the production to be able to offer producing commercials for small businesses could actually be something that was kept for a long time. Comcast, the other biggest, you know, player in the game had just totally wiped out their production department. They were like, this is a mess. This is super hard to manage. We can't figure it out without it just losing money like crazy. So we're just going to outsource it. Luckily, Time Warner Cable took a different stance. And, and again, this is like super funny, especially if you're like, what in the world is this guy talking about? <laughs> again, if you've ever watched NBA on TNT or NFL on ESPN or whatever, and it goes from an Apple commercial to this is Bob's Toyota. There are teams that make the Bob's Toyota commercials and the distinct possibility that if you've ever seen one of those, it came from somebody on my team, especially if you saw in the last 10 years, it's a very good chance that it came from somebody on my team. So let's go back to that day for a second. Thursday, they bring me in, they sit me down, they tell me the story. I had just left a job at ESPN to go take this job on. And I just saw a big blank opportunity, big team, big title, at least a vague description of what were going to be very big responsibilities relative to cost management, relative to process, all that kind of good corporate stuff. It just seemed interesting. I was like, wow, they, they want me to do this? I'm the dumbass student that doesn't have a college degree. Like, okay, cool, let's dance. Like, I'm, I'm down for this. But a lot of people thought, yo, you're leaving ESPN to go do this? Like, you are nuts. Why in the world did you leave ESPN to go to Time Warner Cable? I wanted the opportunity. It sounded bold. It sounded weird. It sounded different. Yeah, sign me up for that, especially with good compensation and all that kind of good stuff. No brainer. Absolutely no brainer. I didn't, luckily, I was smart enough back then, even if I was dumb enough to do it, I was smart enough and dumb enough to be like, you know what? I don't really care about the fact that ESPN is probably the sexiest business card that you could have if you're a dude that loves sports. I just want opportunity. I just want something interesting to wrap my brain around. But when I went to that meeting and they slid this motherfucker across the desk to me, after that conversation, I went and dry heaved. I was like, this is nuts. Like the whole concept of I've had to let people go before and I had been through reorgs before, but the concept of what was in here and just thinking about all of that displacement <laughs> and on top of this. So, and it wasn't even like, Hey, this is going to happen. It was, Hey, this is going to happen within your first six weeks. And you have eight months to turn the department around under some absolutely ridiculous numbers too. It was like, you're going to race an eight figure deficit within a ca calendar year. All of these magical things are going to happen because it looks good in the PowerPoint and it looks good in the Excel grids. It can totally happen. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. All right. And I'm trying to sit, I'm sitting there trying to play it cool. 
And I wish I could get into deep description about the people that were on the other side of the table, but it's just not appropriate for a couple of different reasons. But both amazing human beings, both characters in their own right, one a Harvard super smart business person, the other one a very soft-spoken but brilliant in his own way HR professional for eons, both from different markets. It was like it was it was hilarious in hindsight. It will make an amazing opening scene of a movie one day. I promise you that. It will make an amazing opening scene of a movie. Me unshaved, oh, somebody else playing me, walking through the turnstiles, or I guess there weren't turnstiles back in, going to security, being like, yeah, it's Thursday, you know, Thursday before my first day, they're bringing me in, must be a big deal. Go and sit down, and then basically I'm like, oh, fuck, <laughs> this is going to be, uh, this is going to be nuts. So we go through the plan. I think at the end of the conversation, wow, I've probably made a horrible mistake here, or at least I'm questioning it, right? Now I'm starting to think maybe my friends were right. Maybe people were right. I should have stayed at ESPN. Why would I want to do this? This sounds terrible. And I know that they're going to announce this to the president of the company on the second day that I'm there. So that's why they brought me in on the Thursday so that I could have at least a little bit of time to wrap my head around this before it actually got put in front of the president. So <laughs> I, I rem- the first year was terrible. The first year was just awful. Like it was getting in and then having to go around. Everybody thought like we were the only, <laughs> I need to slow my brain down here for a second to tell the story properly. It wasn't like there was a massive company overhaul or anything like that. It was just the production department and sales was super reliant on the production department. So especially those that are listening from a corporate space, please share this with friends that have been through conundrums of like, oh, that other department is a hot mess right now. Or if you've ever been through a reorg, like there's tentacles to the story like crazy but when you're the only department that's going through a reorg, and especially one in which you are relied on by other departments to actually make money, it's fucking wild because everyone's like, yo, stop moving the cheese, right? Have you ever seen that corporate book, Who Moved My Cheese? Which is basically just a weird analogy for change management. It's, it's, it's like chaos. And everybody wants a reason that's like you're halfway in between pushing back as hard as you can so that the change doesn't happen and, oh, I want to push it in this, this direction because it's going to happen, but I want it to happen my way or, no, I'm cool with this. Let me try to help make it happen. And you have all three of those things happening at the same time, which meant that basically nobody at the company liked me for the first year. Like maybe a dozen people either liked me or were like, you're just kind of a science experiment here. I literally had somebody come up to me once this was announced and got out. It was like, this is, everyone thought it was impossible. They're like, there's no way you can recreate the production department to be what you say it's going to be to what this document plus my vision once I got in and started to wrap my head around it. Everyone's like, this is crazy. There's no way it's going to happen. I had one dude bet me. He's like, his name was Tom. He said, I will add an extra M to the end of my name if you actually make this happen. And then they're also, like I mentioned, the people that were fighting back. The day that we announced this to the leadership team at the time, this dude from somewhere in, in Wisconsin, I'm going to try to be as vague with like names and places as much as possible, called me up and just basically yelled at me for like 10 minutes. And sometimes you just got to take it. 
right? And I'm I just don't have the temperament to yell back, and especially when I'm when I'm not. I need to. I w- if somebody's angry at me, I always need to digest what they're saying to me. Like why? Like let me learn about why you're so angry, and then maybe I can defend myself. But like I need to learn first before I just snap back. And it was that kind of environment where people just wanted to call and yell at me either about the idea or then certainly once we started to put this into practice, oh good God, it was like it was it was pandemonium. So Thursday before my first day, they tell me you're gonna have to wipe out all the jobs and start from scratch. Within six weeks, I had to tell the sales team this is happening, then had to tell the people on the team that this is happening. One of those overly cliche your job as you know it no longer exists. This is what's happening. This is why there will be new jobs that are posted, but this is all happening in the blink of an eye. Because usually when this stuff happens, it's like you don't see it coming and it happens mad fast. And then the turnaround is super, super quick too. So I think we had about 100 and then maybe posted 50 or 60 jobs after that. And I had to spend two weeks on the road going around and listening to as many of the sales leaders as possible and meeting as many of the production teams in person as possible too. And there was some wild shit on the road, like (laughs) like in 2013. So like certainly not technology where we are now, but to go into offices in small markets and I'm trying super hard not to be the judgy guy from ESPN that like knows all of his shit and is super fancy. Like, I don't know jack shit. I'm trying to be at everyone's level in regards to just humility. I have to have a ton of humility or else I'm screwed. I have to be try to be as personable as humanly possible. And luckily for those of you that have known me and those of you that have watched my content for a while, you're like, oh, this is going to start to make sense now both in storyline relative to my job, but also in storyline relative to who I am. Like you can, I I know you can totally see me sitting there doing these things based off of who you know, who you know me to be now, even if you just met me within the past year, right? So I'm trying to be super chill, just digest things, take the high road as much as possible, learn at the same time too. I'm like, this is wild. Like I'm out meeting automotive dealers in random places in upstate New York that have rabbits in their office. And I'm thinking it was three weeks ago that I was sitting down with somebody from IBM talking about $25 million deals. Like what in the world is going on and what did I get myself into? And then going into these edit suites that had like, you know, just old, old tube TVs with four by three monitors and stuff that like kind of sounds nerdy if you don't know the space, but it's basically like, you know, if you didn't have an HD, HD TV yet, in this era, it was like, I was seeing some of that stuff. I'm like, wow, this is, there's a lot of work to be done here across the board for a multitude of reasons. And the stress that that was putting on my home life too, right? My daughter is now 11. So this all happened right after she was born. I was married for a while at that point, but still, you know, eight years into a marriage, brand new kid. My wife had just changed jobs as well. This was like the perfect storm across the board. I'm going to abbreviate some of the following pieces of the story because this is literally a 10-year story, and I'm like maybe 45 seconds into the depths of that first meeting and gave you the super high-level you know, view into what that meeting was like. I remember the morning. I'll tell 
two more quick things to keep this episode somewhat in a reasonable like 25 minute pace because there's so much to dive into here and I'm sure there's gonna be a ton of questions and I look forward to doing a Q&A on all of this stuff now that I've kind of let this cat out of the bag. I remember the day that we had to make the announcement to the employees and it was the day that my mind shifted in regards to what an HR department can be that is helpful and one that is just there to like basically hit the rule book. The person from HR that knew that this was happening, that was supporting me throughout, called and left me a voice message that morning. I won't tell you what's on it, at least not yet. But when I saw like I, when I got in the office and saw the red light on, I'm like, fuck, who called me and left a message already? And when I heard that it was him and he was basically saying in so many words, you can do this. Today's going to suck, but you can do this, man. Like, you got this. That was the most incredible thing because I hated myself for having to do this. I knew that other people were about to hate me for having done this. I knew that other people were already looking at me sideways just because I look so young and I look different walking into this office that, you know, everyone's like, oh, here comes the cool dude from Brooklyn that thinks he's hot shit because he worked at ESPN. And that level of support and that person has now become a dear, dear friend of mine. So one of the biggest points I hope you take away from this is even in times of total chaos in a corporate space that is, you know, could be along these lines, you're going to find connective points. If you look for them and if you are willing to care about these things, you're going to find elements in friendships and connection points that you could have never fathomed ever before. And I remember that conversation. It was before Zoom, it was before WebEx, it was before all that stuff. So it was just like a big conference call, basically. And having to say to all those people, your job as you know it no longer exists. And that was after, you know, having to tee things up and basically having to be like, okay, you know, change is coming, blah, 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 blah. And then having to get to the explicit so that everybody knows getting off the call what is actually happening. God, that was fucking terrible. That was absolutely terrible to say the least. I hated myself, and part of that still haunts me a little bit, but based on what I knew and based on what I was given, the reason I was able to reckon with that, because I thought, like, okay, maybe, like, it, this is against my morals at a super high level. What do I do about this? And I kept coming back to, if I leave, somebody else is still going to do this. If I was like, yo, fuck this, I don't want to fire 100 people and do, the, do all these things you're telling me to do, somebody else was going to come in and do it. It's not like they were going to be like, okay, cool. Oh, you know what? You're right. We decided, you know, you're totally right here. We're, we're not going to do this anymore. No way. It was still going to happen. So it was basically leave either like push back, and I pushed back in the specific places where I knew I could save jobs. I didn't try to push back for like everything. I tried to reserve the pushback for understand like at first I asked can I run the department for a year and then try something no that was a hard no like no this is already baked this is this is happening then I started to push back in little places and I saw I saved about 30 jobs along the way based on where I was able to push back and I still get notes from people like on Thanksgiving days that say I remember what you did I'm super thankful for that I wouldn't be where I am today had you not done what you did back in 2013 to help make sure that this part of the department stayed intact. But overall, it was like, if I leave, if I go back to ESPN, then some other asshole is going to come in here and do this. And whenever I've come to the most difficult parts of my job overall, one thing I always come back to is, 
is this going to happen even if it's not me, yes or no? And then can I, if the answer is yes, it's going to happen anyway, can I do it better than anybody else with more humanity, humility, empathy, business smarts to try to save as many jobs, et cetera? And I would rather bet on myself in those situations, as weird as that sounds, right? I would rather have control of those things. I would rather be the one to have to make the terrible decisions, to have to do the hardest thing versus like, oh, fuck this. Let me, you know, let somebody else handle it. No, no. <laughs> Why? Because then if I complain about things and if I don't like the way things run or if I have a bigger issue with the man in general, then I'm exacerbating that by not grabbing the steering wheel and being like, all right, let's see how well I can do it. Let's see if I can... Let's see how well I can get inside the machine and create change myself. So flash forward to this past week of the last week of August in 2023. And for the past several weeks, I've been working with my boss and others to figure out what makes the most sense for the department and for the company moving forward. And that team, that team that goes back to that story in 2013 that is, you know, in the guts of this that then went from 100 people to 270 overnight when we merged with another company in 2016 or so, which is how I went from 100 to zero to like 60 something back up to 100 to 270 after a merger and acquisition. You know, now we're around 240. Starting next week when I go back and, you know, actually started last week, um, my team's more like 50 people now. Why? Because I'm going to take more of a specific focus on content for the company. Content being PowerPoint presentations, content being uh, not only our commercials, but like how do our sizzle reels, like everything that goes out that basically helps small businesses and national agencies too, wrap their head around what we can do from an advertising perspective that's all considered content, right? If a big company has a bunch of stuff to say, if they're smart about it, they consider it content. Email, that's content. PowerPoint presentations, that's content. Content is not just video. Content is stuff that you put out with the purpose of somebody else digesting it. So based on what I've learned over the past couple of years with all of this being like basically my side hustle, uh, it just makes sense that that's where I help out the company because we've got a great story to tell, right? Who doesn't love a good small business? Who doesn't want to support their community? Who doesn't love all of those stories that, could, that go along with all of those things? So being able to truly bring that to life in a multitude of ways is it's just a completely different way to for somebody to tell a corporate-like story but do so from more of a content-specific mindset. What does all of this mean? What the hell is the point of the story other than giving you a little bit of the backstory as to how this happened? Don't care, especially if you're somebody that is in a corporate-ish space again and you might ever be in that position or you're like, wow, well, you know, my team used to be three people and now it's just two people or, you know, I used to do this and now I do that and you're worried about perception or you're worried about what it looks like when your title changes or the size of your team changes or something along those lines. Don't care. The only thing you should care about is what is your opportunity to make a broader impact? That's the only thing that really matters, right? And I was very specific and intentional going through this in regards to where is my ego really coming into play here? Where do I actually care about the fact that 
I will no longer be able to say I've got a team of 240 people now versus what's in the company's best interest. And I am ruthless in that regard where I don't give a shit about those things a lot of other people give a shit about. So I had no problem being like, this makes the most sense. I think we should do this. Totally my idea to put that on the table. Most people would be like, oh my God, why in the world at this stage of my career would I want to give up that much responsibility, that much P&L power, that much, et cetera? Because the broader impact that I can have based off of what I'm going to do next, A, it's a very interesting place to go and try to do at a level that no one has ever done it before. And B, it's going to be more helpful overall. And C, and most importantly, this team that went from 100 to 0 back up to 60 to 100 to 270 to 240, et cetera, and I've got myself saying this on camera to them, they did such a good job. We have done such a remarkable job building this that they made my job irrelevant, basically. And I knew that, and I was sitting on that, and that is a part of my long-term strategy. I firmly believe, especially in a management position, if you can set up a department or whatever so well that you make your own job irrelevant or you put the people in that department in a position where they can make your job irrelevant where you're just a figurehead, that's fucking amazing. Amazing for these people. And hell yeah, I will own some of that too, that I'm damn proud of that. This was a hot bag of poo-poo when I walked in the door. And now when I walk out the door, I can say, it is running so well, they just don't need me. Hand it over to somebody else. Here you go, man. Enjoy. They're fucking amazing. It's running super well right now. You can now think of totally new, fun things to add on, to tweak a little bit here and there. But otherwise, you are getting the most remarkable, well-oiled machine from a production perspective for the purpose of servicing small businesses, national businesses, regional businesses. If you need a commercial, you need it done effectively, efficiently, at scale, there's a team called Kernel that will do a job better than anybody else. This is the most interesting, unique, effective, and efficient creative agency in the world that you've never heard of probably unless you just knew me or unless you're one of our clients as it exists. We set this shit up. The people, the people that do this work, they made it possible. It was really weird. And I a thousand percent cried during that speech to say there's been a reorganization at the company and there was a massive change across the board. We were just one piece of it. But during that piece, it was time for them to have an opportunity to get different perspective at the leadership table. And it was time for me to take on something else where I could potentially have a greater impact more holistically. And it does not matter how many people are on my team other than is it the right number to be as effective as I need it to be. So don't give a shit about how many people are on your team. Don't care about your title. I think I know what my new title is, but I'm not 100% sure. I've just seen it on paper. I don't really care. I know what my job is. I know what the vision is. The superf... The superf... Yeah. The superfluous, superfluous, the superfluous things are just superfluous. The outcome, the output, especially over long periods of time, who gives a shit about it? We're going to need some quick wins. Everyone needs some quick wins. The output over long periods of time, that's all that matters. Bigger, broader impact over long periods of time for most companies, that's all that matters. Don't let yourself get trapped into the ego game. Don't let yourself get trapped into this is either 
looks weird. What are other people going to say? I've had, I've had to be part of the conversation of telling other people these things are going to happen and then seeing them freak out because they're like, what are other people going to say? I used to manage that team. Now I went from five people to one person, or I went from 15 people to two, or I used to have a direct report. Now I don't. Who cares? What's your impact going to be? Don't give a shit what other people think. My name is Tim. This is the end of the episode. If you made it this long and you're watching YouTube, leave a comment that says, yo, I made it through the whole thing. And then tell me whether or not this was helpful. I'll buy you a pair of your size, lost and found. I'll buy you a pair of lost and founds. Deal? If you made it all the way through, say I made it all the way through, tell me whether or not it was helpful. And you have to be following me. Here's more rules. You got to be following me on this, obviously. You've got to be subscribed to this. Subscribe to my other YouTube channel. You got to be following me on all platforms. If you do so, and you say you made it all the way through, Chicago ones, lost and found. We'll figure out your size. I'll buy you a new pair. I'm not going to give you one of my pair. Cool? Deal? Deal. I hope this was helpful. Look forward to the feedback on this one. Peace.